Hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan Klein. And I'm Shannon Chalakian. And you remember that little part from last week where I said that um, in order to get Twitch of the Death Nerve out of the way, we were just going to watch it right afterwards? We actually did that. Yeah, to, uh, we're doing a little bit of time travel today because we literally watched The Boy Next Door like four hours ago. Yeah. And then we decided to watch Twitch of the Death Nerve. And now we've recorded both of those episodes. Well, I think we're skipping ahead. we got to still talk about it first. That's a good point. That's a good point. We'll see if we get through this. <laughs> so back to the current time. Um, let's start with our 10-word review, shall we? Great. Sounds right. like a plan. Sounds like a plan, Stan. All right. The novel, Rosemary's Baby by Ira Levin. Masterful slow boiler. Damn, that guy can write dream sequences. Bring it on. Without the nostalgia factor, this one don't cheer me. Fast times at Ridgemont High. I get it. Phoebe Cates is hot. Where's the plot? <laughs> that was good. Thank you. Although it seems that your bring it on was lacking the fact that it was at Dominguez Hills. Well, I only have 10 words. That's a good point. Okay, so mine for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Starfield cast, but really boring. All right, on to our discussion. Uh, As you know, there will be spoilers. Brennan, why don't you take it away with the plot? All right. Countess Federica, the elderly owner of a coveted piece of Bayside property, is brutally slain by her husband, Filippo Donati who is himself then killed by a mysterious third person at the murder scene. Who is the killer? Could it be real estate developer Frank Ventura? Or Paolo Vosati, an entomologist neighbor who wants to preserve the natural insect life thriving around the bay. What a motive. The Countess's illegitimate son Simon, in a bid to claim a name for himself? Or could it be Albert, the weak-willed husband of Donati's ambitious daughter Renata? Brace yourself. Because no one's a suspect for very long in Mario Bava's black comedy of human greed, which boasts 13 characters and 13 of the most shocking murders ever filmed. Wow, I wish I had uh, read that ahead of time. I think that would have helped me with the direction of the film. Yeah, I feel like uh, you don't even need to watch the film. It's yeah, just kinda that covered was pretty good. Uh, okay, so why don't you give us our sh- your spiel deal about Twitch of the Death Nerve? Okay. You guys. Well, first of all, uh, we promised to watch this movie twice before, and we finally watched it. It's a really influential, um, yeah, it's a really Italian influential horror. Italian horror film. It's in the giallo genre. It's by Mario Bava, who kind of invented the genre in the '60s with Blood and Black Lace. But he's he's coming back again. It's 1971 or 72 because Italy is always super weird about their titles and dates and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie heavily inspired Friday the 13th, as we will notice as we discuss it. Um, but also, it heavily influenced the giallo genre, bringing really great gore into the game instead of just cool mysteries. It had 8 million titles. It's commonly known as Bay of Blood, but I choose to call it to it to the death nerve because that's such a cool title. But it's also known as Reazioni Acatena, which means chain reaction. It's also known as Carnage. It's also known as The Last House on the Left Part 2, even though it came out a year before The Last House on the Left. It's a whole shebang because Italy is insane, especially in the 70s. Uh, just one of the things that I have to mention every time we would do this Italian stuff, the films were filmed silently. So whatever nationality the actors were, they performed their lines in their language, and then they were overdubbed later. So, 
The dub on this movie is especially poor. I don't know whether it's the DVD copy that I have or just the movie itself, but the dialogue crackles in and out like crazy. You can't really hear anything. We were watching it at full blast on my TV. Which is just as effective as like watching it without sound at all. Yeah, honestly, with this movie, you don't need to, but we'll discuss that as we get into our ratings. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, a little bit about the movie from my standpoint as well is that it just felt like I was thinking about it. It feels very like Reservoir Dogsy, where okay. you're, you're introduced to these like sets of characters, and then they all come together oh, that's at the end. Like you see their connection to each other, you know. Because um, you're about uh, like a virgin and tipping waitresses. Yeah, exactly. Um, because you, like, when they say there's 13 characters, there's definitely 13 characters. There's a lot of characters, and it's hard to kind of. Remember their very Italian names. Remember who they are and their their relations to each other, and it kind of reads like a like a soap opera. And then also there's some really good gore effects. So um, the entire thing was kind of like really boring, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> it was good, but it was just like so slow, and they the, they kept zooming in and out the camera. It was really boring. Yeah, it's um, it's it's an art film more than it is a horror film. Yeah, it has a very stately pace. But what's your scariness ranking? Let's just start there. Scariness is one out of five. Was not scary. Um, even like the octopus was supposed to kind of be in there for like a grossness, and I didn't find it gross either. The octopus was awesome. Yeah, I want to be friends o- with that octopi octopus. Octopi are awesome. Um, but yeah, so no, it wasn't scary at all. Yourself? Okay, I do have to agree. I gave it one out of five screams on scariness. Um, it's. It's a horror film of a certain vintage. I'm sure it scared certain people at the right. time. But it's very, very, like I said, it's very, it has a very stately pace. It's more artistic than it is actually, like, in your face. Although, I will say, not scary, but the intro to this movie is very outré, mm-hmm. shall we say. Um, it's, it was actually described in the plot on the back of this DVD, which is kind of disappointing because that's the best shock in the movie because you watch this old countess in a wheelchair being murdered and it's very brutal and very artistic and beautiful because mm-hmm. as she's dying, her wheelchair is tipped over and the wheel is spinning and then it stops spinning when she finally stops kicking. It's crazy. It's mm-hmm. really cool. But then her killer is immediately murdered by someone else and you're like, well, I have no idea what's happening. I'm in. Right. Let's go. Yeah. And then nothing happens for a very long time. Yeah. But... I love that intro, so I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I think um, the point that you made, how it, it was probably scary to someone at some time, was also very important because um, the level, like the level of um, scariness, changes. So we may think that this is a certain level of scariness now. Ten years from now, it might come back, or it might be even less scary. Um, I remember talking to someone, and they said that Night of the Dead. Was Night like of the Living Dead? Night of the Living Dead, excuse me. Night of the Living Dead was like the scariest thing they'd ever seen and they saw it in the theaters. Um, and like, I mean, I saw Dawn of the Dead. We saw Dawn of the Dead. Uh-huh. I haven't seen Night of the Living Dead, but it didn't seem scary to me. Well, Dawn of the Dead is a lot goofier than Night of the Living Dead. Okay. Um, Night of the Living Dead, I got to see on a big screen and a small mm-hmm. screen. And it has some moments that still carry over that are shocking. Mm-hmm. But you're right, it has diminished with time because yeah. we've, we've gotten such a glut of zombie movies there. Exactly. So anyway, just a, just a point to note out there that, um, you know, things get, things get warped. depends on the person. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so on to campiness, Brennan. 
Okay. Um, I gave this film two out of five perms. I didn't find it particularly amusing, except for just all the seventies crap. Like everything's yeah. wood paneling. That one chick was her name Broomhilda. Yeah. Uh, she had crazy I dream of genie hair that was fantastic. Yeah. And she got so naked. So naked. She was just Forever. swimming she around was naked for like for a half long an hour, time. In yeah. her, just in the nude all alone. Literally, they leave her. Her friends leave her alone on the dock of this bay, sitting on the dock of the bay in the nude. Um, yeah, she just goes skinny dipping for so long. Yeah, I expect her to be dead like way, way sooner than she is. Well, we had to fill our boob quota first. I guess so. And also the score is just this hardcore bongo score. It's like a Donkey Kong game. Hardcore like, bongo. I, I gotta, that should be a genre. <laughs> hardcore bongo. It's just like someone kicked a bongo down a flight of stairs. Honestly. Um, I... I somewhat agree with you, but I'm going to do three out of five perms only because there is a remarkable perm oh God. in this movie. Oh, no. You're talking about Bobby? Yeah. Bobby has oh an Italian God. mullet perm. It is awful looking. It looks like like droopy dog or something. Yeah. It looks like, like someone like dumped a poodle in the bay and brought it out. And that was his hair. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's wearing one of those Russian hats with the fuzzy flaps, but it's his hair. Yeah. And it's got like a dent in it somehow. It's weird. It's just weird. So that's why I'm adding an ent- entirely extra point just well, yeah, for no, that That perm. point is his perm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's move on to gore. I'm going to start if that's all right. Oh, go okay. for it. This is this is where why the movie exists. Right. So um, this is the first Mario Bava sh- film I've seen. It's the first you've seen it too as well. It's the only yes. one you've seen. Um, I, I did not watch it for the first time today, but it was the first one I saw. Right. And for how much I've really enjoyed uh, the what i've seen of the giallo um movement movement genre uh um with Luci Ful- lucio fulci etc uh i really did like some of the gore that was going on here it was very red in friday the 13th they had a sex scene that led to a spike going through mm-hmm. both of them was it that was in the second one though. that's in friday the 13th part two yeah, yeah it's in the second one um uh, but they had they had that in this one in this yeah. movie This movie, basically, the producers of Friday the 13th are using it as like a crib sheet. Like, I feel like they wrote down all the kills on their arm. And when they were directing Friday the 13th, they were like, all right, let's do the scene with the... uh, Looks at arm. Yeah. Two people impaled with a spear while banging. Next next scene. All right. Machete right into the face. All right. Axe raised really high and then slammed down on someone. That's a good point. Yeah. Every single kill. And also, the setting. It's around a lake. Yeah, I know. Mm. That that was definitely... It was very... um, similar definitely uh but yeah so the killer has this weird like i'm sure it's a fishing instrument but it looks like a field hockey puck stick it's, it's thing. like a very blunt curved blade kind of like the one used in night school for people who have happened to have see seen night, night school. school um but yeah so they do this amazing shot of like one of the main characters getting the blade embedded in his face like in his skull um, and that's done super well. And they even take the skull out, the, the I mean, the blade out of a skull. So you see that part too. Yeah, they just revel in that in that kill. That w- it was super good. And you don't know who's 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 doing the killing still, you know, because it's part of like the clue meets Reservoir Dogs meets, mm-hmm. you know, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, but that was like r- that was really good. The s- the spear through the chest was really good. Um, the f- kind of floating scene was good where the body's just floating there it's not it's not as good as fighting a shark but (laughs) you know whatever um yeah but overall it was solid as far as the gore goes good i'd give it three out of five severed limbs as well 
I there on the DVD. There's a scene selection, like special feature, where you can skip directly to each of the thirteen murders. Oh, awesome! And I think that's a out of any movie in the entire world, this is the movie that needs that. Yeah, <laughs> because um, that's kind of what it's built around. Like, there's these teen characters that are shoved in for no reason other than to get murdered in spectacular ways, uh, which is literally that's literally the slasher genre. But that's why this is kind of the progenitor of that. And also, I mean, the thing about the killings is that they're actually actually integral to the plot, too, and to the um, kind of subtextual undercurrent that's happening. This is one of the very few slasher films that does have anything remotely similar to subtext. Um, it's about, like, because all these avaricious people are coming up to the bay because they want to um, get the inheritance that's going to be left by this dead countess. And eventually, here's the spoilers part, you find out that everyone who's dying... There are multiple killers. There's no single killer to solve the mystery. Right, because there's also several motives as to why they want the land. Yeah, everyone is killing everyone else to get this land. Right. And there's one great scene where the, the weak-willed husband mentioned in the plot, he uh, he kills the bastard son of the countess, and he the guy spits up blood onto his hands, and I'm like, oh, that's such an evocative image. Like, yeah. That's so literally blood on your hands. Yeah, it's so Shakespearean and it's so interesting. And, and it's his left hand, so it's on his wedding ring too. You know, so you really kind of see oh, wow. it. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, because yeah. this is first and for well, first and foremost, it's a gore picture. Second and second most, it's an art film. And you know what? Let's go into quality. Can I just yeah. skip forward to that? Yes. Uh, the first time I watched this, I would have given it a four out of five, but I'm downgrading it to three out of five because I had a hard time on the rewatch on this one just because of the, the pace. Mm -hmm. It's very, very deliberate. It takes its time, but I really respect what it's doing. It's stylishly shot. It's very well edited. There's like after everyone dies, it cuts to this, uh, bug on a pin that's slowly dying from mm -hmm. the insect collector and, when the tarot card lady gets her head cut off, it cuts to this porcelain head smashing on the ground. Oh, I totally forgot about that. That was so good. It's the edits are genius. And Bava was his own DP, his own um, cinematographer on this movie. And Shannon was very annoyed by all the zooming in and out, but it's very, it's constantly in motion. And there's a lot it has to say about greed and how like pointless and awful it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. One more thing. Um, One more thing. The whole thing is that, there part of the background is that one of the one of the many many people involved in this plot um he wanted to turn the bay into this kind of like resort area and build a whole bunch of stuff and bring a whole bunch of tourists mm -hmm. but th it failed because the bay is so infested in, in insects and that's just kind of i just think it's this really cool metaphor for this like high society thing where everyone's trying to be rich and like perfect and awesome but just they're secretly just infested with insects. They're all just so awful on the inside. Mm -hmm. It's very American psycho, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I originally voted it a one out of five because watching this film, and Brennan can attest to this, like I was on my phone the entire time. I know. And it, it really drives Brennan crazy when I'm on my phone while we're watching a movie, which is why I've tried to be very good about it when we're watching podcast stuff, um, but I couldn't avoid it. it. It might be the fact that we already watched a movie today, um, but it was and just, it's one as masterpiece and brilliant as the boy next door. Of course, of course. But it was just very, it was very slow and it was very boring, 
but come to find out i actually got a lot out of it that i didn't even know i got you know so i was still following along in around the edges of your phone screen yeah exactly so i can't tell you anyone's names except for Bruhilda and uh, my favorite character's name but uh i did get the gist which is nice um so originally it was one out of five i'm gonna scoot it up to a two out of five It's not one That's I would. What I'm here for. I know it's not one that I would watch over again. But like you said, like you respect what it's doing. I also respect what it's doing, and I'm really glad that I've seen. I've now seen a Mario Bava film. Like, and this movie was super influential for a lot of stuff that we've already seen. Right. Exactly. And it's gonna make watching Friday the Thirteenth a lot better. I think. Um, yeah, because that movie, not great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm glad. I am very glad. Um, but yeah. All right, let's move on. And normally we would move on to our champion dialogue segment. But, but dialogue sucks in this movie. Yeah, unfortunately, for the very first time, we have to cancel the champion dialogue segment. As you may have noticed in the intro to this episode, I cannot find a dialogue clip from this to save my life. All the trailers are just music with no dialogue. Which is how essentially you watch the film anyway. Because Yeah, because... I, I couldn't record it directly from the movie because the mixing is crap and we couldn't really hear anything to take down dialogue. So it's just like a huge waste of time. Yeah, which is also parts. why my quality rating is so low. It's like you're missing out on a major opportunity with your dialogue. Yeah, like I said, this film isn't really about the plot. It's about the images and like the major subtext and kind of the soap opera stuff that's going on. And honestly, it could have been an Italian with no subtitles and we would have maybe understood more of what was happening. <laughs> Seriously. Um, there is a really intricate plot going on, but none of it's really that important. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so anyway, we're going to have to skip to favorite character. So who's your favorite character, Shannon? My favorite character's name is... Oh, wait. Sorry. Real quick before that. Um, although we did give you two champion dialogues last time. So let's That's just true. pretend we spread those That's out true. and just didn't average. So Shannon, what's your favorite character? Okay, my favorite character's name is Ferdinando. I thought it was just Ferdinand. It is not. It's just Ferdinando. Can you hear the drums, Ferdinando? And he is a cockroach. And I think Ferdinando has the like the the best ethical compass out of all the characters. And he is a cockroach. Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay, thank you. And he's a cockroach, um, but he's he's like the star cockroach of the insect guy etymologist, and um, I don't know. He doesn't have anything like he, he has no qualities, but he's got better qualities than everyone else. So I wonder if his death counts as one of the murders. Yeah. Okay. So they said there's thirteen deaths. Uh huh. And there's thirteen characters. Yes. But two characters are killed with the shotgun at that the same time. But that doesn't that can't count as separate kills. It should count as just one kill, right? It's two people being killed. Okay. Never mind. We're gonna cut this part probably. Um, my favorite character is Renata. She's just vicious. She's a stone cold assassin. Like she's just constantly manipulating her weak willed husband to murdering everyone. And that's actually uh, I hate. Mm, are you do it? No, just. I can't, I'm a theater kid at heart, and I'm superstitious in the sense of being theater, so I can't reference a particular Shakespeare play. Would you like me to say it? Yes. Hamlet? No. Oh. I'm just kidding. The Scottish play. Are you kidding? Yeah. I don't think you're kidding. Yeah. Um, His wife, (laughs) Lady Lady Macbeth. Yes. 
Um, she's a very similar, uh, Renata is a very similar character to here. She's molding and manipulating her husband who event- who starts to be driven by guilt, but just kind of like turns evil because of her influence. Mm-hmm. And that the blood on the hands is also a reference to that play. So it's just kind of like this weird artistic cycle in Bay of Blood that's underneath the surface. I just love Renata. She is so sassy. She's so great. She's con- She's just killing everyone, and I love her. Yeah, she's killing it too. Like she's <laughs> she's got she's like the type that's wearing moon boots and really uh, having a good time. So, alrighty, uh, on to favorite scene. our favorite scene. What was your favorite scene, Shannon? My favorite scene was just anytime the entomologist was talking to Ferdinando. So that Can was you it. Hear the drums, Ferdinando. Oh my God! Is it starting all over again? No. Okay, I'll stop. Okay, your turn. Uh, my favorite scene is the final scene of the film, which is this great punchline to a really long, really slow film. <laughs> um, uh, awesomeness, uh, queen of the world, queen of my heart, Renata. Uh, she and her husband have finally killed everyone. They found this important document MacGuffin thing that they burned it up so they can get all the inheritance. They have their kids in this camper that are just, they're only shown in like two scenes. Yeah, they've been there the entire time, just like chilling. Like in an RV practically. And so they're walking back up to their house where the kids are and the kids have a shotgun and just shoot them both dead on, like as they're embracing. And the son and the daughter, or the daughter's like, gee, they're good at playing dead. And then they're like, let's go swim in the lake. And they skip down to the water and the score is just like, la, 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 la. And... Not o- it's first of all, it's hilarious. It's the best so, ending we could have got. So inexplicable. It's the best ending to maybe any movie that's yeah, ever been much. released. But also, it's this like final comeuppance for these avaricious, awful people because they don't deserve to live. And it's just this crux of this whole like giant um, subtext well has been boiling over, and it's I just really like that ending. It's really yeah. Cool. They don't really get to celebrate long. It's pretty great. That's uh, it's pretty good. And you know that inheritance going to those kids is going to the only innocents at the entire bay. Yeah, even though they've killed their parents now. Well, they didn't do it on purpose. They were just... I don't know uh, why they had a shotgun in the RV and did not teach their kids about proper gun safety, but it was the 70s. This kind of stuff happened. I guess so. It still happens today, unfortunately. Uh, okay, so games? Yes, I have one game for us. Ooh. It is called, it is a variation on our uh, Giallo title game. Okay. It's called With or Without You 2. Okay. Um, basically, I'm going to give you the title of a Mario Bava film or the title of a U2 song. And oh you're my gonna God. you're going to have to guess uh, which it is. Okay, you ready? Oh, I get it now because With or Without You is a U2 song. Yes, it is. And it's not one of the ones I'm going to be giving you. Okay, good. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Let's do this. Number one, Black Sunday. Mario Bava. Yes, you're correct. Okay, good. Number two, Sunday Bloody Sunday. No, no, that's that's you two. No, no, no. Ah, you two. Is that you two? Yes. Okay. That was actually the inspiration for this because they had those two similar things. Good. All right, number three, Vertigo. That's you two. Yes, it is. Okay, I, I know that song. Number four, Shock. Hmm. Bava? Yes. Oh, okay. Florida four so far. I gotta get yeah. I gotta get harder. Number five, City of Blinding Lights. You too? Yep. Yes. I gotta break your streak. Number six, kill baby kill. 
Bava. Yeah. Okay. This one's not as hard as I was imagining. I know you two but better than the Carpenters, apparently. God, okay. Which is not saying anything. Number seven, Hercules in the Haunted World. You too. That's Bava. I got you. Okay. Um, number eight, Lisa and the Devil. You too. That's also Bava. Okay. See, Hercules in the Haunted World super sounds like a U2 song, right? Yeah. So does the Lisa one. Mm-hmm. They both do. All right, number nine, Lucifer's Hands. Bava. Nope, that's you too. Ah. Number 10, Iris. You too. That is you too. Okay. So you're, you have seven out of 10 so far, which is really good for Yay. one of my games. That's how I'm scoring this game, seven out of 10. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. 11, Disappearing Act. You too. That is you too. Okay. Number 12, Evil Eye. Bava. Yes, it is. Woo. Uh, number 13, Blood and Black Lace. Baba. Yeah, I brought that one up earlier. You Whoops. did. And number 14, Lady with the Spinning Head. Baba. Nope, that's a U2 song. Really? It wow. It really is. And that's uh, the last. You spin my head game. right around, right around. Like a Mario Baba film. Um, You got 10 out of 14, which is really good. Yay. Should have made it more challenging, but it did get harder as it went along. It did. I love some of these titles. These are really solid. Those are great. We gotta when we make our horror film. Eventually, we're gonna make a horror film. When we make our horror film, we gotta name it like thirteen different things, specifically thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Like Bay of Blood, Carnage, lots of stuff. This was a video nasty, by the way. Just in case you're. Wondering. Oh, cool. I anyway. love video nasties. Mm-hmm. Those are always fun. So actually, we're in the closing segment of our podcast. So Shannon, good. do you have a recommendation for people who disliked Bay of Blood as much as you do? Twisted yes. The death nerve, so. This is another film that I disliked initially, that I respect, but I disliked it initially. Okay. Um, and there is a character in, in um, Twitch of the Death Nerve, who is like playing with tarot cards, and she reminds me of a prominent character in the movie that I'm recommending, which is Troll Two. Um, they are by no means similar at all, except uh, they just have two creepy witch-looking people. So that's what made me think of it. Okay. I don't know. I'm really, I'm really stretching on limbs with my recommendations because even though I've seen quite a few now, I still haven't seen enough. I get that. Yeah. And uh, my recommendation is also, it's a movie set around a bay, and Sergio will be super mad that I'm recommending this, but it's a movie called The Bay. It's from 2012. Michael Bay, bam, bam. Oh, God, no. Um, but it's a found footage movie. And most people are like, oh, found footage, whatever. But for some reason, it's directed by Barry Levinson, who directed Rain Man mm-hmm. and like had an actual career. Um, the lead actress is terrible, but everything else is really cool. It's about this uh, 4th of July celebration uh, around this bay in America, and it's being infested by these like evil, gross insect parasites Ooh. Um, that like start eating ev- anyone who goes into the water. And they're kind of like infecting them from the inside out. And it's really gross. And anyone who like drinks the water or whatever. It's a whole bunch of Ferdinandos who are just taking over. Yeah. And it, it's presented from found footage from a variety of different sources. Like a police camera or like someone's Skype or people's uh, video oh, cool. recordings and stuff. It's a really cool film. I really enjoyed it. And it legitimately freaked me out. That's awesome. And it's it's a ver- it's a it's one of the rare ecological horror films. Very cool. So, yeah, there's that. And um, let's see. Regarding the clue from last week, 
Next week, we will be watching Ghostbusters Woo! in honor of the all-female remake that's coming out in July. I am July. so excited. I'm yeah. excited for both because I haven't seen Ghostbusters and I haven't seen, well, obviously, none mm-hmm. of us have the seen the remake. But um, I'm very excited. I'm I'm excited for the new Ghostbusters film. <sighs> Everyone's all mad about it. Whatever. Whatever. Sassy I, pants. I'm not super into the trailer itself, but I've learned not to trust the trailer for the trailers for Paul Feig's movies. Yeah, they revealed a lot. But because yeah. the uh, no, the trailer for Spy was really bad, but I loved Spy. Yeah, Spy was so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that he was directing the remake. Yes, he is. Awesome. Okay, I really hope it's good. I really hope I can just like shove that in people's faces. Mm. So um, we'll be introducing Shannon to Ghostbusters, so Woo! she's ready for the remake. And I already know who to call. <laughs> oh God, that's good. Yeah. You're, you're one step forward. Yeah. Um, and here's the clue for episode two weeks from now, which also happens to be our anniversary episode. Isn't that weird? We've been doing this for a year, Shannon. Yeah. That's crazy. And believe it or not, we've kind of been friends for four years now. So we've done a podcast for a quarter of our friendship. Yeah. I Honestly, I'm not sure I ever believed it would go this long, but I'm glad it has. I didn't either. Uh, anyway, here's the clue. Uh, we'll we'll have time to reminisce and stuff in two weeks. Of course. And here's the clue. If there's one thing this podcast has been lacking, it's Valley Girls. Let's rectify that by stripping everything else away and bringing in ringers from Chopping Mall and Weekend at Bernie's. Woo! Okay, so content information that Brennan always does that I'm going to give a crack at without okay. even one year later looking. Oh God! Okay, um, I'll, let's see how we. I messed it up so many times the first couple of weeks, so let's see if you can do it. Yeah. So first of all, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, rate and review us. Give us five stars because we are awesome. And if you want to talk to us, because we are actually kind of friendly people sometimes, you can catch us on email at scream101podcast at, at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter, scream101 at scream101pod. Um, at Facebook, at scream101podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think the, those are the three that we use, right? Yeah. Okay, email. cool. Yeah, I already did email. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh, sorry, that was the first thing I did. Um, and then, yeah, talk to us, rate us five stars on iTunes because we had to watch this movie, so you don't have to. Also, a uh, shout out to Tristan, who has been um, commenting on our Twitter. We love talking to you. You have awesome questions. Yeah. And shout out to Owen, who retweets all our stuff. And it, like, it always makes me so happy. Yeah. Because... He only comes on Twitter like once a week and he just does like this flash flood of notifications and he's just, it's like the sun has risen once more. We appreciate you, Owen. Thank you. I don't even know you, but we appreciate you. (laughs) Anyway, we'll be playing you out with an excerpt from Stelvio Caproni's score to Twitch of the Death Nerve, specifically the scene after the kids have shot their parents. Perfect. Perfect. Stelvio. That's how I'm name my kids. Stelvio. Stelvio Kipra. Just when the cr- when the opening credits were playing, Shannon and I were just doing awful Italian accents and saying everybody's names. Like, yeah. Luigi Pistilli. Yeah. And then there was Chris Avram. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. It was good. It was like Claudine Auger, Claudio Volonte. It's just everyone's super Italian. Was, one of them was probably Brunhilde. Ooh, it was produced by Giuseppe Zaccariello. 
All right. On that note, peace out, folks. Bye. Ciao.